few weeks ago, I spoke on anxious for nothing, and I got through some of my notes and didn't get through them all, so I will continue on and uh, with that study. I'm going to back up just a little bit and make a little bit of a runway to get us back going in the right direction, but let me, uh, kind of where I ended up a little bit was this whole idea of being anxious for nothing is, is our idea of we want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our life as Christians. We want that peace. We want that joy. We want that love. We want, that, we want those things in our life. But the, the idea is we can't produce those things in ourselves. It is a work of the Spirit. And so when that happens, our goal is to cling to the vine. The byproduct is the fruit of the Spirit. We're not trying to produce them in ourselves. We're trying to cling to the vine. The more you're like Jesus, the more you're closely associated with him, the more you cling to him, the more you're, you're going to be in his image, the more things of his spirit will flow through you. So the, John 15, we'll start there, verse 4. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. That person brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 6, if a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them up, cast them in the fire, and they're burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. It's this back and forth, this being intertwined with him, then we can ask what we will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse 8, here is my Father glorified. How is he glorified? That ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father had loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Last verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. The vine, this idea of the vine, the very root it's the trunk of the plant. It's what we, it's how plants get their nourishment that comes out to the branches and to the leaves and to the fruit. Fruit. We're the branches. We're all up here. He's the root. He's the one that stabilizes us. He's the one that is, that every good and perfect gift comes to him. 24-7. This is not, and I mentioned last time, this is not a Sunday thing that we just come to church and that's why we're part of the vine and then we leave. We're not part of the vine. 24-7, we're constantly gaining nutrients through the vine if we stay in the vine, if we stay connected to the vine. That is the goal, to cling to him, to be close to him. And I interrupt this Bible study to say, this is all for, a, we're hosting the Urshan live recording, so that's why this is like this. Some of you may not have known. We, no, this is not how we remodel the platform, so. <laughs> Giving us ideas, though, but this is, that's what that's for. The verses that I read in John 15, Jesus uses this word abide ten times in those seven verses. He's inviting us, come live in me. Come be comfortable in me. Come be part of me. Our aim, our only aim is to be at home in Christ. I kind of, again, I don't mean to be redundant, but trying to get us to where we're, we, we pick up some new things, but I want us to get our heads in the game here on the right areas because when, it, when you're thinking of this, when we're coming close to Christ, our aim is to be at home with Christ. Are you scared of Jesus? Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? Are you comfortable with Jesus? That's the goal. 
To be pride, to be a part of him and he and us and being so intertwined together that we therefore are at home with him. We rest in him. We find that nourishment in him. The dominant duty of the branch the, is just to simply cling. Get as close to Jesus. I, I've said this before so many times. People are, you know, living for the Lord and trying to do this and trying to. And I, I, I say this, these words, if I could get Everybody to just fall madly in love with Jesus so much would go by the wayside. Because they would just cling to him and realize what a blessed and abundant life that is. And when that happens, some things just don't matter anymore. Who sat in my parking? Who sat, sat in my parking place? That's fine. You go out there. Who sat in my view or who parked in the parking? Really doesn't bother me anymore because I'm just excited to be at church because I'm just in love with him. Some things just go by the wayside. It doesn't matter because I've got my focus and attention on him. And so our goal, again, is not the fruit bearing. We can't do that in ourselves. Our goal is to stay attached, and we will bear fruit because we're attached. When a father leaves his 40-year-old son, many times you with children or caregivers in their lives, you tell that person, you tell that little child, hold my hand. These hyper little kids just trying to get away from you. And Hold my hand. Why do you tell them that? Because you're going to lead them to safety and they're going to be all right as long as they hold your hand. You don't turn to those little munchkins and tell them, well, we're leaving in the car. I hope you can get there. I hope you can find your way home. Try to dodge traffic and be a good boy on the way. You don't tell them that. You don't tell them try to how to get there. You don't tell them anything. All you simply tell them is hold on to my hand. Jesus is telling all of us, just hold on to my hand. If you can just do that, you're going to be okay. Just hold on to his hand in every possible situation. When we're talking about all this, and we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we're talking about holding on to Him. So many times, people just that we, we get this thing, and it's a list. I can check our Bible reading, check uh, fasting, check. This is not what this is. This is not a checklist. This is a relationship we get to have with the eternal God who made all heaven and earth. And I can have a relationship with Him. Sometimes people do this and it causes, and again, we're getting back this whole round. We're talking about being anxious for nothing, this whole idea of anxiety. But sometimes this enhances people's anxiety because it's just, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we get so, because we're trying to do this so much on our own. Your goal, hold his hand. Never let go. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. <laughs> Laissez-faire. Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor for your body, what ye shall put on. It's not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet, God feeds them. So are you not much better than they? Yes, and I will say right now, we're much better than birds. I'll tell you that right now. But <laughs> Verse 28. Why take ye thought for the raiment? Just look out in the fields. Look at the flowers. Consider the lilies. How they grow. They don't toil. They just depend on God and they just grow. It's just what they do. Verse 29. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, even in his, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of them. They don't... You know, 
if you could interview the lily field, and how are you doing this? I'm just growing. How's this happening? Just resting in God, and I'm growing. Sometimes we, I know it's oversimplistic, because we're not compared to, we got a little more on the plate than flowers. Do I get that? But this idea of clinging to him, not a list, but a relationship. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your affections. The Bible does never, it never gives us a command that we cannot do. And it's the, uh, I just, the word just slipped. All you English majors will help me. The, the understood you right there is the subject. You set, you do something, you set your affections on things above. And don't set them on things on the earth. That's where the anxiety comes in. That's where the stress comes in. That's where the fixation of, of the here and now comes in. It, it, it's about spending time with him. It's about setting our affections on things of God and, and what God is in my life and how I can cling to him and how I can build a relationship with him. It, it, it's, it, so, so simple things in life. Is there a block of time you can give to God? Is there some time you can possibly maybe turn off the news or Facebook for a few minutes and, and cling to God and draw closer to Him? I, I know this whole thing that we tell, it, it becomes almost a bad of honor, honor to all of us. I just don't have time. <clears throat> Embarrass yourself and just journal how much you waste time and you'll find out you have a whole lot of time. A whole lot more than you realized you had. But just in a little bit of those things, is there a way to just maybe set the alarm 15 minutes earlier, maybe five minutes earlier, as, or as you fall asleep praying or listening to the Word of God or something? It's, the idea is just to be with Him. That is this idea of knowing that I can bear the fruit and I don't have to be full of anxiety and I don't have to be anxious and I don't have to be overloaded because God's got this and I can understand him and I know him and I trust him and knowing that he's got my way. He knows the way that I take. He's going to take care of me. John 8 31 then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If ye continue, not on Sunday, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples, verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. You have to understand, and let me, so let me, let me t for a moment, talk out the other side of my mouth. Christians live lives, okay, and life happens. There are things out of our control, things that aren't fun, things that we go through. Christians battle anxiety. Hey, I just said, well, don't be anxious for anything. The Bible says just put it all aside. Just love it fair. Just live like you want. But the truth of the matter is things hit us, and things sometimes hit us hard, and anxiety will come to us, okay? Things will approach us, and, and, and can I say it like this? Jesus, the man Christ Jesus battled some anxiety in the garden. Father, is there some other way? He prayed that three times. Why, he was battling with this. 
he was anxious about this. He was upset about the man Christ Jesus was 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 upset about this. And so what though he's the great example, what did he do with that? Finally he just said, "Not my will. I'm going to trust you to know what the best is for me." And so that is the great example. So it's not saying you you won't be anxious or you won't ever have anxiety, but what are you going to do with it when it comes? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can begin there and begin with God. So when I become anxious or when you become anxious, what's the first thing we need to do? And I've got four little things to go through. I'm better than Pastor Graham. He always had three. I got one more than him. So... One thing, celebrate God's goodness. Has God been good to anybody in this building? Don't ever forget that in the middle of your valley, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your problem. God has been very good to us. I was look, looking over these notes and I thought, you know, oh my word, it would be just anxious. You know, you go in the house and there's, there's a pipe leaking and there's water dripping and all that causes anxiety. We're, I don't have time. We've got to leave town, all these things. We could, we could come up and spin these scenarios out. Or I could say, thank God I have a house for a pipe to leak in. Just puts a whole spin on stuff. Oh, I'm preaching to myself because I've been spoiled right all my life. We are spoiled rotten. The first world problems. It's the truth, folks. Eight minutes in Wendy's line. I was aggravated. <laughs> I shouldn't have been in that line, but... Oh, Lord. I needed a cheeseburger. All right, well, carry on. When I become anxious, I can celebrate goodness. Paul told the church at Philipp, Philipp, Philippi, Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And in case you forgot it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. There's always something to be thankful. We turn our attention away from the problem for a moment. And we celebrate how good God has been to us. It starts to bring some levity back to our life and starts to bring some understanding that if he took care of me right here, back there, he can take care of me tomorrow and he can take care of me today. And the more I look to God, the quicker the problem is reduced to its proper size. But when I fixate on something, it just grows and grows and grows. You remember, I, I don't... <laughs> I preached it and I don't remember it. I'm trying my best. I preached about the moon up in the sky. Does anybody remember this? And there's a phenomenon that happens about the moon. When it's low in the sky, I, I should have not been lazy and looked it up, but I don't remember. But when it's low in the sky, you, we call it the big harvest moon or something. You see those big orange moons. They humongous. They feel, feel the entire landscape. They're just massive. They say, stand back and take something. Close one eye and cover that moon until you get that moon covered, wherever, wherever it is. And they say that moon, and I understand in the sky it's the same size. The moon doesn't get bigger or whatever, but in our vision it gets much, much bigger. But they say when that moon goes up in the sky, on your retina, it is the exact same size in the sky as it was there when it looked so big. So how you do that is you take the same object the little circle, the little pebble, and you cover the moon, and then it just covers the moon, and then when it's up in the sky, you, it just covers the moon. They say it's the exact same size, and I say they're liars. 
They say it's called a phenomenon that happens. Because once it gets down towards the horizon, it's up against buildings and up against trees and up, and all of a sudden it looks massive. But if you get it up in the sky with the vast expanse of space, now it just looks like this little orb way up in the sky. I think of that because I think of Psalm 121, 1 and 2. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help, verse 2 says, cometh from the Lord. And he's not just the Lord. What about the Lord? He's the Lord which made heaven and earth. I love that verse and there's a, you know, God's, God spoke the worlds into existence, all that stuff. And then you hear of all the billions of stars and all that stuff. And it's almost like a little parenthetical, almost a little side note in his word. He made the stars also. Just, yeah, I, just, I thought I'd splash some stars up there. And I think my problems got him stumped. And I think my situation is hidden from him and he doesn't know where I am. He's the God. My help comes from, not from a bank account. My help doesn't come from uh, someone else. My help doesn't come from a fallible human being many times. My help ultimately comes from God. What about God? He spoke the galaxies into existence. That's how my God is. And that's how wonderful and big he is. That's where my help comes from. And I can relax in that because of who he is. I gain absolutely nothing by setting our eyes on the problem and fixating on the problem. Now, hold on. Well, okay, I got bills. Brother Blanchard, don't pay them. Shredder, here they come. Well, you're going to jail, okay? But the point is, you've got to do some things, and we'll get to that. But when I fixate on that all the time, I can't have abundant life. I can't have joy unspeakable. I can't have peace that passes all understanding when I am fixated constantly on something that I can't control or it's out of my control. Peter learned this lesson, Matthew 14, 28, and Peter answered, oh, you know, it's Peter. See somebody walking in the water. Me, 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 me. Lord, thou will bid me come and I want to walk on the water too. Verse 29, Jesus said, Come on. Peter was coming down on the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. <laughs> That's incredible. That's phenomenal. I'd love to do that. I don't like water, but I would love to sort of do that. As long as Peter focused on the face of Jesus, he did the impossible. You know the story. He shifted his gaze to all of a sudden the circumstances. And at that time, he began to sink like a stone. Can I gently nudge you and push you just a little bit? If you feel like you're overwhelmed and sinking, it's maybe because you have your focus in the wrong direction. Fixating on the problem is not going to change the problem. God can do anything. And so when I put it in the proper perspective with God, 
And so I ask simple, redundant questions, but is, is God sovereign over everything? I think you'd all say, yes, he's a great God. He's sovereign, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. Yes, he's a great God. Then he has control. He is over your circumstances. Is he mightier than your problem? Yes, you'd have to answer that. Does he have answers to any question that you might possibly have? Yes, he does. You're not going to stomp. You're not going to stomp him in any way whatsoever. He is a great God. It's just how am I connected to him? How am I clinging to him? First Timothy 6:15. I love this verse which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who you serve. That's who you can cling to. If he sustains all and he controls all, I think he probably has authority over any situation that I'm going to face. That is why I can rejoice in the Lord. Step one, rejoice. Step two, Ask God for help. Did you ever think about that? I, we, we sometimes, and I know people, pray about everything. And sometimes there's a situation, you know, we'll be talking in staff meeting or pastoral staff, and they'll come up and they'll say, well, we're having this situation. I'm like, oh, yeah. Man, what should we do about that? I mean, it's not that big a deal. What should we do about that? All of a sudden, somewhere in the back of my mind, it thinks, I'm going to pray about that. Well, that's a smart thing to do. Well, it's not a big, it's not really a spiritual matter. It's just, you know, a child check-in's not working right. You know, they're having a delay and they're having problems. They have lines of kids. We're trying to get them all checked in. And people becoming anxious because they can't get their child checked in. What are we going to do about that? Oh, I'm terrible, stomping things. I'm going to go up there and, all right, bless the God. I'm going to anoint him with oil. I'm, no, I'm just going to pray about it is what I'm going to do. Are you going to fix it? We're going to try. But I'm going to ask God to help me fix it. Well, that's simple. Well, I'm simple. I'm sorry. The next door, little story, I'll hurry. Next door, they had, they were trying to get a commercial license for something, so they had inspectors come in the building. And oh, did they love to get in the warehouse. So fire marshal and inspectors came in, and God love them. They're watching. We love you. But they dinged us on just ding, 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 all this stuff, dinged us. So Brother Paul, Brother Mary's been working feverishly, Brother Brandon, Brother Job, thank God for him, been doing stuff over there and getting it all squared away, working hard because, you know, you have time frames and all this. And today, their upstairs bathroom light does not work. It has to work because you can't have a bathroom without a light in it, without a fan in it. It would not work. So what are we going to do about that? So I, I don't know. Let's look around. So we start looking around. And just the other Thursday, Brother Marty said something about the downstairs, two bathrooms in the production room. They're not working. The lights went out. Well, we have two downstairs bathrooms in the production back there. And then theirs is way up in their side, a light. Welcome to remodel. But they all happen to go out at the same time. So I'm like, how are we going to do this? I didn't know how to trace it down. We looked every breaker box, and there's 97 of them in this building. We looked at breaker boxes everywhere. We finally found a breaker box switched and all this stuff. But here's what I did before that. I said, Lord, we really need this. The inspector's coming back Friday. We need this to work. 
So we're messing with stuff and I was taking testers and having them. We finally figured out that that bathroom and our two, so if it, if it ever blows, their bathroom's out too, if ours are out. So if you, anybody wants to know. And the breaker's in the gym, in the closet. So we flipped that and I tested all this stuff. Finally wired it down. So I said, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Let's take the bulbs out of all the lamps in here, all the fixtures. Maybe, I, I, I've never heard of it happen, but take all the bulbs out. So I had Brother Marion, he goes back and he flips that. I just, and I could say all this, I just so happened to be, I just so happened to be, I just so happened to, all of these things lined up and I just so happened to be in the men's restroom. And when he flipped that switch, I heard a click in the wall. And I said, do it again. I called him and he was, he flipped it in. I said, let me run to the other bathroom. Nope, there's no click. I said, it's the switch. Take the switch out or some fancy switch. You had to go to handyman and uh, get the switch and uh, put it in. And all the lights are working. And the breaker stays on. Folks, you can just chalk that up that, you know, well, I just got lucky. I prayed and asked God, help us figure this out. Shocker! He did! The point is, He's our Heavenly Father. Of course He will. But sometimes we get so anxious and, and we forget. Everybody just calm down for a second. Don't forget to ask Him to help you. I know this, and maybe this, I struggle with this because sometimes I'm just like, like a bulldozer and just doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I just realize, oh, I'm going to fix this. We've got to change this, and that's got to happen. And all of a sudden I'm like, why don't I pray about this stuff? If it concerns me, it concerns him. I don't care if it's a flat tire or the breaker would blow or if somebody's in serious medical situation. Everything matters to him. It matters to me, and I can pray and ask him to help me. The verse that we've been using time and time again, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Just let your requests be made known unto God. Because you have to understand this fear, this anxiety, it's going to trigger two things. It's either going to trigger despair or it's going to trigger prayer. What are you allowing it to trigger? Choose wisely what you allow to trigger in you. Psalm 50, verse 15. And call upon me, God says, in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Matthew 7, 7, one of the wonderful verses of Scripture. Ask, it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly. Not conceited, not cocky, not do it now. Nothing like that, but just simply, Dad, I need your help here. Unto the throne of grace that we may have turned mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when life happens, and yes, I'm going to be anxious on some things, and anxiety is going to come up my way, what am I going to do? First of all, I want to rejoice. I want to remember all the good things he has done for me. Because when I look back over my life and I think things over for just about a half a second, I can truly say I have been blessed. I got a great testimony. 
He has been very, very good to me. And things he has done before, he is not going to forsake me. And he'll do it again so I can rejoice. And I can put my problem up and make them compare to God. And then the next thing I can do is I can ask God. I am in the middle of a situation. I need your help. And he is faithful. He's going to help. I can call on him and my God will help me. And then the third thing, which just all of us control freaks have a trouble with it. Leave it there. You sure you're doing all right, God? Yes, he's doing just fine with it. Do you need my counseling on this? No, he doesn't. Do you need me to bail you out in any way? No. No, he doesn't. Let him take charge. Let God do what he's so willing to do. He's not going to share the glory. So anytime you grab it back, he's going to give it to you. But leave it there. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, I can't comprehend it, shall keep your hearts and keep your minds through Christ Jesus. Leave it with him. Let him fix it. 2 Timothy 1.12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know he's a great God. I know he's a creator of heaven and earth. I know he spoke the worlds into existence. I know whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've kept a hold of. Nope. To keep that which I keep jerking back out of his hand. Nope. To keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My faith says what I give to him, he is well able to handle it. Again, God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our counsel. He doesn't need our assistance. Here's the thing we're going to have to remember. When God wants us to re-engage, he'll let us know when it's time to re-engage. Sometimes we work ourselves up and we just get so anxious and all of these things. And sometimes we can even blame it on spiritual things. I will never forget this story and I'll make it up if it didn't happen, but it's a good one. I think it was Brother, uh, Brother Branding. The story goes that he was pastor in APC and he, he was 13 the Gravel, we used to call it. And he, he was out of town and he snowstormed storms. He could not get back to church that Saturday and Sunday they used to have church. And he was pacing the floor in his hotel room like, oh God, I got to get back. I got to get back to church. I got to get back to church. At church, I got to get back to church just pace the floor and God finally just said who do you think controls the church and helps the church when you're there well you do God then I bet I can do it without you there so I'm taking a 14 year sabbatical no I'm not but the point being <laughs> the point being who helps this church when I'm here God, he can help everybody when I'm not here. Who helps in certain circumstances, God? Who helps when I can't do it and I don't know the way, I don't know what else to do? God, I just, we, sometimes we, 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 we get so anxious that it, 
everything's predicated on us. And if we do it just right, then ooh, we got the combination and the jump through the hoops. And everything's going to be, and, and folks, please, I, I'm trying to be careful here, not trying to be obnoxious in any way. <laughs> That's hard for me. The point being is there's prayer books and there's all, and wonderful, thank God for all that stuff. But sometimes we can make the spiritual so mystical that we miss the very basics of just having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just clinging to him with all that's within me, just clinging to him and leaving it with him, knowing he is going to do it right and take care of it. I remember, you know, again, thank God for my wife. She's helped me so much. that She is a no-drama mama. I mean, she don't get rattled. House burns down like, you know. <laughs> get to go furniture shopping, don't I? It's just, just nothing. So she's helped me greatly. So in all this, and I remember when Skyler, he was turning the youth age, he was turning 12. And obviously, when he's in the car, he needs to be in the car with me because I am the safest driver on the face of the earth. No matter if I'm texting and reading, it doesn't matter. He, I'm his dad. I'm the safest. Nobody else can be as safe as me with, my, with the kid in the car, you know. And we were just coming past the church. Okay, have fun at that rally. I didn't know what van he was getting in. I didn't know what car he was getting in. I don't know who was driving the vehicles. And my anxiety was through the roof. Like, Lord, maybe I just... Yeah, I need to volunteer, which Brother Marion at the time, he would have let me volunteer to always drive the van. I didn't want to drive the van. I wanted to go out on a date with my wife while they, all the kids were gone. So, I, so what should I do? I was anxious. Finally, it just kind of wrestled down. And kind of the same thing happened to me. The Lord kind of just put in my spirit, who protects him when he's in the car with you? You don't think I can protect him when he's in the car with somebody else? Ultimately, he's their protector. So, Brother Bland, it sounds like stand on a cliff and jump. The Lord will get you. No, I think there's scripture for that. But I do say sometimes in our everyday life when things happen, we're grasping at straws and we become so anxious over things. Maybe we got our minds and our eyes fixated on something else. Because when I do this and I leave it with him, and when I, I trust in him, and I know that he's going to take care of it, there's such a gratitude that comes from that. Thank you, Lord, that even though I don't know what to do, you'll help me know what to do. Thank you, Lord, that in every situation when I don't know the way that I'm, what I'm supposed to ha what's supposed to happen, you somehow work it out every single time. And all of a sudden, I become grateful. And this gratitude just keeps me grounded again. It keeps me focused on the present. There's a, and I won't try it. And, and, and the Bible's most common word for, for, for worry is a Greek word for something. Really what that means is just, it's just talking about that whole idea of being anxious is to divide the mind. 
So what happens, we become anxious, and you know how this works. You become anxious about one thing, and then all of a sudden you become anxious about something else, and then you're worried about something else, and then you're stressed about something else, and oh, the light bulb just blew in the kitchen. <laughs> and you're hysterical over a light bulb blowing. What happened? You just got too much going, and there's stress everywhere, and anxiety everywhere, and you don't know what to do, and, it, it, and you, the attention, your attention is just chopped in so many areas because we've not left it with God. We're not focusing our attention on Him. We're not asking Him for help in these situations. What are you trying to tell us, Brother Blanchett? We can just, we can just pre pretend anxiety doesn't happen. No, I'm, you don't understand from a counseling perspective. I'm not saying just, just stuff things down and pretend nothing ever happened. I'm not saying that. But I am saying when anxiety does come, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to pray or are you going to despair over it? And we have a place to turn. We can turn to the Almighty God. Number four, meditate on good things. Have you ever just, I know you haven't. I barely am grouchy. Just having a bad day. Just rough. And I've got in my truck, it's still old enough to have about a six changer CD thing in there. And I have, from back when I was in college, I have gospel choirs in there. Always love gospel choirs. The radio's on, doomsday is here and everybody's dying in the political status. Now I'm already grouchy. There's times I'll just put, CD, and I'll just, all of a sudden, me and Jesus in that truck. Just meditate on him. Just fixate on him. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, think on those things. Stake them down. Whatsoever things are honest, think on those things. Whatsoever things are just, think on those things. Whatsoever things are pure, think on those things. Whatsoever things are lovely, think on those things. Whatsoever things are of good report, think on those things. Whatever things are virtuous, think about that. Things that are praiseworthy, think about that. Control your thoughts and put them on Jesus and understand everything's going to be all right. He's going to work it out. I don't know how and I don't know when and I don't know which way he's going to do it. But he will do it. He has a great track record. So I don't have to fear and worry. And yes, it's part of being human. I understand that. But when that anxiety comes, am I going to let it cripple my life? Or am I going to rejoice knowing that he's done it before? Am I going to ask him to help me, help me figure out what I can and should do? And am I going to leave it with him? And when I leave it with him, I'm just going to bask in his presence and relax in him knowing that he does all things well. I remember high anxiety when we were trying to figure out 
all the transition at this church. Should we let our name run? Should we not let it run? Not hiding things from Skylar and trying to talk through all this through and the possibility, you know, possibly having to move if we don't. And all of these things where the board even let my name run and all these things and just going crazy, all of this, all over the place. And we'd be in the car and we just, oh, my mind was going crazy. And we had this song from, I believe it's the Mississippi Mass Choir. And it sounded like they recorded it in the Illinois District Tabernacle. I mean, it just echoes everything. It was a terrible recording but it doesn't matter. It simply was a song. And we'd be in the middle of this and all of a sudden Skyler would say, Daddy, but remember this song. And he'd get on Spotify and the song was, Turn it over to Jesus and he will work it out. I still, that's on one of my CDs. And it, because when I get anxiety, when I get anxious about something, when I learn to turn it over to him, Leave it with Him. Meditate on Him. Build a relationship with Him. Hold on to Him. I promise everything will be all right. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know where. But He's a God with a great track record. And it's going to be all right. Today, the poem says, I will live today. Yesterday has passed, tomorrow's not yet. I'm left with today. So today, I will live today. Relive yesterday? No. I'll learn from it. I'll seek mercy for it. Or I'll take joy in it. But I won't live in it. The sun has set on yesterday. The sun has yet to rise on tomorrow. Worry about the future? To what gain? Deserves a glance? Nothing more. I can't change tomorrow until tomorrow. Today. I'll live today. I'll face today's challenges with today's strength. I'll dance today's waltz with today's music. I'll celebrate today's opportunities with today's Hope today. God has given you today. In closing, I'll ask you one simple question. Can you, even in your wildest imagination, imagine a life in which you are anxious for nothing? Because the reality is, God can. And with his help, we can too. In case you haven't noticed, this world is in chaos. The hospitals are overrun and the human uh, social workers and, and counselors and psychologists are just, they can't get enough of them. Again, I'm one, so I'm not knocking any of that stuff. But if we let it, we can let the turbulence and the misunderstanding and the lies and the propaganda, and we can allow it to infiltrate into the church and into our minds, and we can quickly become anxious. But we are just pilgrims passing through. There's something better. 
There's something more glorious. And when that happens, I can fix my eyes on him. I can meditate on him. I can rejoice in him. I can pray about it, and I can leave it there. He's going to help us. Let's stand in this building tonight. Can you just, in dismissal, thank God that he's close to you? Lord, I thank you. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know what this evening holds, Jesus, but there is hope and trust in you. One phone call can shatter my world, oh God. But in the middle of a storm, help me to remember that you hold me close and my job is to just cling to you. Lord, I, want, I don't want to get fixated on bank accounts or jobs or I don't want to get fixated on things of this world and I'm thankful for every blessing Lord but I want to make sure my number one goal is to cling so tightly to you because I know when that happens God I can rest in you and you know the way that I take and I can cast my cares on you because you truly truly care for me I am so thankful for that and I'm so blessed Bless each one that's here, oh God, those that are watching on, joining online, those that will later uh, see this, let them receive something from your word. I pray that you'd bless us. Let us have a great remainder of this week. I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.